0: I'm glad you're here. So Jason and I had a really fun weekend. We uh, we did something where I'm happy to report that we practiced what we preach and we're always preaching that we've got to get our our kids out of their comfort zone. That's where growth happens, but not overwhelmed because then you don't do it if you're overwhelmed. And so we did something that was kind of out of my comfort zone, but made sure that it wasn't overwhelming. And that is, we went with with family and we we did a series of 11 rappels through a canyon just outside of Zion National Park. And it was super fun. We, uh, I haven't done rappelling in quite some time actually. And so Jason was so good. He He set up a line. It was actually on the side of our family cabin And I practiced rappelling down our cabin like three different times and got the hang of it and got used to the the device that he now uses for rappelling. It's called a crawler and just like getting used to what kind of tension felt comfortable and, and just like the safety of it. And then we went and did it. And I mean, some of the rappels that we did were like the first one we started off with was like 35 feet off of like this edge. Um, and some of the repels were 120 feet and anyway, it was a little bit scary, definitely kind of out of my comfort zone, but oh my gosh, I realized how much fun it is and how much I love it. So I was so glad I I did it. I almost backed out last minute, but I was like, no, I really want to do this. So anyway, it was super fun and invigorating and oh, such beautiful, beautiful um, scenery and cliffs that we were <laughs> repelling off of. And now we're going to have to go take our girls and and go do some repels closer to us. So I have a confession to make. I am a recovering micromanaging parent. And today I want to help you break out of the micromanaging parenting role. If you find yourself in that and break out of it because it's so exhausting, but it is so easy to find ourselves in, especially when we have a neurodiverse child, teen, or young adult that we're just trying to do our best to help and support. So what is micromanaging as far as parenting goes? And I would just say in a nutshell, it's being highly involved in all the details of our child's life. And there's a lot of reasons that we may find ourselves micromanaging because our neurodiverse kids often need extra help and they really struggle. I don't know about you, but I often found that things just would not happen if I wasn't micromanaging a lot of the details. And our neurodiverse kiddos especially need a lot of very clear directive kind of support. And although I think every child benefits from clear directive guidance, the other factor that goes into micromanaging is that we also have just our own expectations of how we want to be as a parent, what we want our family life to look like, and we have expectations for our kids. And I think generally we all really do want things to go well for our kids, and we want them to be happy. It's easy to take a lot of responsibility for our child's well-being and and their happiness. And I think this is all coming from the best of intentions. But with that being said, there's several reasons why you might want to move out of that parenting style, especially as your child becomes a teen and then a young adult. And first and foremost, as I've already mentioned, micromanaging your children is exhausting. It just is. And it's not sustainable. Because the fact of the matter is we aren't always gonna be around. So the goal is to get these kids to be able to be as independent as they're capable of being, and in the most sustainable way. And if they're relying on us to micromanage every single detail, we might be in trouble down the road. The other thing with micromanaging that I think it's really important to take a look at is that it gets in the way of our child's development and their ability to later adult as much as they're capable of doing because instead of teaching them and, and helping them learn the skills, we're just doing everything for them when we're micromanaging. And one of the the things that can happen that we may not realize is that when we're over involved in our kids' lives, we start to that that sends a message and teaches our kids that learned helplessness is really what it's called. It sends a message that you're not capable. And even if they aren't capable yet, we don't want them to get the message that they are just in general incapable and immediately go to, I have to have help or I can't do it on my own. We don't want to send that message. Now, I want to address some of the things that even when we realize that micromanaging everything is probably not serving us or our kids well, there are fears that come up that keep us in that, that pattern. And so I want to address those. Very common to have a fear, probably based on a lot of evidence, that if I don't micromanage, that things are going to go bad. And for the same reasons, I think there's a lot of fear that others are not going to be competent enough to help. Because as we get older, and our kids get older, we're probably involving more people in their, their care or... Support. And I think there's a lot of fear, and for good, valid reasons, that others are not going to be capable of doing what we're doing. And it just won't go as well if we don't do it. And that may be very true because past experiences taught you that, right? I do think that there is a natural fear of losing control. When we think about not stepping in as much, that loss of control can be a little terrifying. Not going to lie. And then one of the sneaky reasons and fears that that might come up that I, I do want you to take a look at and be aware of is I think there can be a fear that if others do help and support, that they might actually do a better job than us. And then we might make that mean something negative about us that that and we might feel inadequate. And I think this was a very valid thing to take a look at because, Sometimes people that do come in and support or we, we put our child in a program like ours at Techie for Life, um, you, you put your child in a program and they do do better. Like pe- the people supporting do actually do a better job. And that might be because number one, they aren't dealing with all the other stuff you're dealing with. And there's not the maybe emotional baggage or the history or the child just responds differently to other people. And so there is that little piece that we like feel inadequate that, oh, they're, they're doing better there. And and I did all this work. And it's just not really a fair comparison. That's comparing apples to oranges, totally different circumstances. You know, and I think of my, I have a sister-in-law that I I remember her telling how she um, went on this, I think it was like a girl's trip with other ladies. And she was leaving her husband to to take care of everything when she was gone and she was kind of excited to have him see how difficult and how much she does and to appreciate her more and so she went on her trip and she had this great time and then she came back to find that her husband had done it all no problem super organized and like actually done a better job than she usually does and she felt really bad. It was not what she was expecting. She wasn't feeling appreciative that he that he did a good job and took care of everything. She was feeling kind of replaced and and that that she wasn't good enough or something. And which is super unfair either, because anybody can shine for a week. But when you're doing the same stuff and all the pressures over and over week after week, yeah, nobody keeps that level up, or maybe they do, but that's not me for sure. But It was that moment of like, wait, he did a better job than I do. And that was not what she was expecting. So I think there is to be aware that 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 could be a fear that keeps you in that exhausting micromanager parent role. Is that fear of someone else stepping in and doing a better job. Which instead of being grateful that we're like making it mean something bad about us. Um, The other part of this that I think can keep us locked in to micromanaging is it becomes part of our identity and just the habit of how we show up. And this is another sneaky one, because when it becomes your identity, you don't even realize you're doing it. It's just who you are, and you can't even picture a different way of being. And I'm in a lot of um, Facebook groups, and I follow different people in the autism community, and I, I do see a lot of, it's typically mothers out there that, and it, totally understandably, but they've kind of made their identity based on as being a mom of someone with a diagnosis. Like, I'm an autism mom, and their whole identity is wrapped up in identifying with their child's diagnosis. And I, I get it. I understand where that's coming from because they're trying to advocate and it's it's kind of an all-encompassing job especially if you have a child that really really struggles but i do caution you to maybe take a look at that if that is you and just you know just kind of look at that and and question whether that's really what you want to base your whole identity on and if you might be starting to do that when it's part of your identity it also becomes part of how your child sees you and it it just i just would encourage you to take a look at that and i think the last reason that i want to touch on at least there's probably lots more but the last thing i want to point out is sometimes we stay in that micromanaging parent role because we just don't know what else to do and so i want to offer some things to you today that some perspectives and ways to um, start to step out of that and not just do it because that's all you've what you've always done. So the trick here is to avoid extremes. On the one extreme, like an extreme micromanaging parental style, really looks like being way too involved, very extremely hyper vigilant anxious, just intervening too much. It can look very sort of suffocating to a child. And it's just this like all hands in, right? All hands on deck, like all in where there's just hardly any autonomy for the child. And you're just doing everything for them. And the challenge is, is if if we are tending towards that extreme, and you get exhausted, there's a tendency to pendulum swing all the way to the other side. And then, and I know there's some of you out there there are maybe more on the other side of like just totally macro managing instead of micro, but macro managing. Where and the extreme on that would look like not being involved enough, right? Aloof, distant, like a complete lack of awareness of what's going on, and just hardly ever intervening and it would look like just completely hands off, way too autonomous, or you know, a child that just has way too much autonomy, and you're just letting them do whatever. Um, that's not going to support your child well either, right? So we don't want to go to the micro or the macro extremes. We want to land somewhere in the middle. I just read that there's a Montessori philosophy that I think is really useful here, and the philosophy is help as little as possible but as much as necessary help as little as possible but as much as necessary so really just that like good enough space right and to do that to to land in that middle space takes a lot of awareness it means watching and paying attention but then not just immediately intervening, it's, it's choosing whether you're going to intervene. It's being intentional about that. And it's going to look like instead of just all hands in or completely hands off, it looks like, hey, here's a helping hand when needed. So then the goal becomes focusing not on making sure things get done, but focusing on their development, okay, their autonomy. And doing with them as needed, right? Not doing it all for them or doing nothing, but like doing with them, doing things with them, teaching, guiding them, doing it with them as needed. Now, some of our kids are very, very dependent. I know at our school, Techie for Life, we've got some of the students are calling their parents like five and six times a day. These are college students they're calling and everything's a giant emergency, right? And then we've got students that are totally avoidant and they don't ask for help and they they don't ever talk to their parents. And even when they need it, they, they just are avoidant and they don't engage. So, you know, you might have a kid that's highly dependent or highly avoidant. And you might be in a situation where you have super great supports in place, teachers and therapists and Um, mentors, all the things, or maybe not such great support and help. But I want to offer to you that no matter what your circumstance, no matter how your child is or what end of the spectrum they're on, I want to encourage you to always, instead of micromanaging your child and immediately jumping to that, I want to encourage you to start with yourself and manage yourself first okay, whether you're on the micro end or the macro end, I want you to manage yourself first. So if you're feeling triggered or upset, worried, anxious, uptight, those emotions are clues about what you are experiencing. Those emotions are about you. You're thinking it's because of your child. But those emotions are about you, and they are a sign that you are in your lower brain, limbic system, fight, flight, freeze response. And if you look to fix your kid, to fix your teen, to fix your young adult, or to fix the circumstance, or, the, or advocate from those kinds of emotions of, you know, the anxiousness, the anxiety, the, the stress, the anger, if you look to fix from those emotions, I just wanna point out to you that you are reacting and avoiding your own emotions to feel better. You are not responding from your higher logic brain, prefrontal cortex, like the higher part of you. And you're going to be likely to stay in a micro or a macro extreme parenting mode if you try to fix from those emotions, because what you're doing is trying to not feel those emotions. I'm feeling upset and then I want to fix and micromanage my kid or micromanage the circumstance so I don't have to feel upset. And so I would encourage you to look to yourself and manage those emotions in yourself first and, and and consider what result you really want and whether those current emotions you're experiencing Are the best fuel to get you there i really encourage you to to work to feel better first and then choose and decide how you want to respond and as you know if you've been listening to me at all on this podcast i am super big on parenting from curiosity and compassion i'm telling you this is a game-changer when you push that pause button and you work to get yourself to a more curious, compassionate place, not only for your child, but also for yourself or for the supports in your life, and you gather information with love instead of fear, it is a game changer. So for example, if you've got that that kiddo that, that calls you all the time upset, I actually have one like this that he, he he calls quite a bit and and everything feels urgent and stressful when he gets on the when I get on the phone with him. But I've learned instead of going, oh no, he's calling, that I I want to drop into curiosity and compassion. And so it's more like, oh, I wonder I wonder what it is this time. I wonder I wonder what he's wanting or what he's needing. And just go into curiosity. And even if he's stressed or urgent or anxious on the other end, I can still just show up with curiosity and compassion and gather details and find out information. I do not have to jump into anxiousness and stress with him. In fact, I serve him not well. I serve him much um, less aptly if I'm nervous and anxious and uptight with him. So when I drop into curiosity and compassion, and just gather information and hear things out, then I'm able to respond, choose how I want to respond. And if I want to step in and if I need to intervene or if I need to just kind of encourage or or guide him to do for himself, I highly encourage you to push that pause button and sit with the emotions that you have coming up first. Manage yourself first before you immediately jump into that micromanager fix-it mode. The other thing that I often see with parents that are in that micromanager parent mode is that it's, it's usually tied in with having high expectations or maybe being a high achiever or another label would be a perfectionist. And so if that's you... And if you know that's you, I certainly tend to be on that end of the scale. I want to encourage you to focus on development, not perfection. When you start seeing and capitalizing on all the opportunities there are for development, it's such a great reframe of every interaction, and every circumstance with your child, to see those opportunities as opportunities for development. Every time that I step in and do something for one of my kids, I am removing a possible opportunity for their development. If I take over, if I jump in, that's another loss of opportunity for them to to practice for them to learn and grow and develop. And look, development is a messy process. It involves a lot of mistakes. It's, it's comprised of a lot of fails mixed in with a few wins. Okay, but we learn from our fails. So successful development happens when there's some challenge, but it's doable. If there's no challenge, if they get it perfectly right and everything goes perfectly well every time, there's no development happening. You've already got it down. There's no challenge. There's no development. And then on the, f- the other end of that spectrum is, if it's impossible, then you're just going to give up, right? Like if it's just totally out of reach, then you just give up and you're not even going to try. We're aiming for some challenge, but doable. And to find that middle sweet spot just takes lots of trial and error. But when we focus on development, not perfection, it means that we let go of unrealistic standards. And we understand that it's all just perfectly messy. And we know that it's not how we would do it but that's okay. And it's not going to be perfect. And it's not. And this is really, really important. I want you to hear this. When it's messy, when there's fails, that is not a reflection of you or evidence of bad parenting. It means you choose to focus on your child's long-term development. And this is hard, even if people will unfairly judge you Because sometimes it really is a question of do I care more about my relationship with my child, my teen, my young adult, and their development, wherever it's at, or do I care more about what others will think of me, or do I care more about just having to have everything be just right and go exactly as I want it to, or as I think it should. Two of my boys have had challenges with money management, and there were some mistakes and fails and we're still actually working on it. There's been financial fails, like lots of money maybe overspent. And for someone like me that that has kind of had to work on sort of my feelings around money, that that was a hard loss. Like I, I really try to be careful with money and and manage it responsibly. And so when I have, when I had a son that didn't manage his money well and made some poor financial choices, I really had to look at, do I care more about the money or do I care about this as a teaching opportunity? And this is part of his process and it's messy. Um, it was the same with grades. It's like, it's just through trial and error. And like, at one point I was having to check in with my son every single day and then double check it. And then we were able to work up to like, okay, every few days a week, I would go over it and check it. And then we got to once a week and um, eventually he started to manage his grades and his homework and things like that a little better with maturity and practice. But it's it's messy. I mean, there was some bad grades in there. I didn't catch everything every time, especially when I would back off a little bit. So when you realize that going in, when you realize it's going to be messy, but my end goal is development, not perfection. It's so much easier to take Just more of a curious, let's see approach, okay? Because they might surprise you. And they may struggle, they may fail miserably. If you're willing to meet them with curiosity and compassion and then offer some feedback, every experience can be a teaching opportunity. And if they keep failing, you may then decide okay, I'm going to step in, I'm going to take a more active role but then I encourage you to not be afraid to give them another shot at it as soon as possible. And it really, I mean, it's the cliche, but it really is. This is not, this is an art. This is not a science. If we always nag, if we always just do it, or we always step in to fix things, over time, it breeds dependence. It breeds entitlement. And eventually it breeds resentment. But when we mentor them doing it, it nurtures appreciation and it nurtures connection. If you want to end micromanager exhaustion, aim for good enough, where you just stop managing every detail. So to do that, you've got to manage yourself first. And if you focus on development and drop impossible perfection expectations, you'll actually be doing it perfectly. And maybe even feel a lot less exhausted, which is not a bad side effect. If you find that you struggle with this and you would like some help, I would love to help you and be your coach. You can go to our website, jasondebbie.com. And you can get on our email list and find out how to work with me there. I hope you have an amazing week. Take care. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com.